Welcome to the All People's Church podcast. We believe in loving God, strengthening families, and developing leaders. We are so excited for you to hear this life-changing message recorded live at one of our worship experiences. Remember to share and subscribe to this podcast and enjoy the message. This morning, I am closing, uh, finishing, or as Pastor would say, landing the plane. Landing the Plane on Relational Intelligence 101. This series has been so good. By the way, if this series has blessed you in any way, please comment, let us know. It's so encouraging to know and to see um, that what we're doing here is making a difference in in your life and in the life of of those that you know. And so let us know if this series has blessed you. I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 18 this morning. So if you've got a Bible, turn there. Uh, If you've got a notebook, I encourage you to have a, a notebook this morning as, as we look towards, towards the Word of God. Matthew chapter 18. This morning I want to talk to you about conflict resolution, the law of conflict resolution. It's, it's critically important, I think, that we come to a place where we recognize the emphasis that Jesus and the New Testament places on conflict resolution, on the importance of relationships reconciling and mending. In fact, if we were to to look at all of Scripture, we would see that even the word peace is mentioned in the Bible over 500 times. And so so that lets us know a little bit of how important it is to God that we, his people, live in peace with one another. In fact, if we were to look at the whole narrative of the Bible, we would see that reconciliation and restoration are at the heart of the Father. That He cares so much, not only about your relationship with Him, but your relationship with others, primarily your relationship with the rest of the church, the body of Christ, other brothers and sisters in the faith. I think think we don't pay enough attention to this. And so I want to read to you a couple of scriptures um, before I get to my main scripture, just to give us a little idea of what Jesus said about conflict resolution. He says, if you remember that your brother has something against you, right? He he says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. He says, he says, if you bring your gift to the altar and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, Go reconcile with your brother and sister, and then come offer your gift. He says in another place in Matthew 5, verse 9, he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons and daughters of God. The peacemakers are the sons and daughters of God. In another place, he says, If you're on your way to the court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly, otherwise your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer, and you will be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you have paid the last penny. Jesus says so much about conflict resolution, which brings us over to our main scripture, Matthew chapter 18. I'm going to read this out of the New King James, starting at verse 15. It says, moreover, if your brother has sinned against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother or sister. But if he will not hear you, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. 
the community, the body. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for these moments that we can share. Thank you that you are in the room with us, with me. Thank you that you are with every single individual and every single family that is watching, that is listening right now. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open our eyes, that you would open our hearts to hear from you. Help us understand the weight you place on this. And let us not be led this morning and, and, and onwards by our preferences, but by your word, by your spirit. And so I thank you. And we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, remember when you were in middle school? Um, middle school was, a, was an interesting time. And uh, it was probably my favorite time. And, and, and it was my favorite time because middle school is the type of uh, the, the, the years, the experiences where, where there's not a whole lot of responsibility. There's not a whole lot you got to do. And if you were like me, you didn't really pay attention to homework. And so maybe I hope you weren't like me, but I'm just being honest and confessing this morning. And I remember in middle school, man, it was just, uh, and some of you, maybe for some of you, this was high school, right? You've heard the phrase high school drama. All right. High school drama is fun, isn't it? I think high school drama is fun because, well, not when you're in it because your whole world re revolves around it, but I think when you leave it, you're just like, man, uh, you just laugh over the things that upset you. You just laugh over the things that you cried about. You just laugh over the things that you got in fights with different people. I, I remember in high school, man, there, there, uh, there would be um, fights that would happen, arguments that would happen, gossip here and a gossip there, and, 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 and there would be these things where you would, you would avoid taking certain hallways to avoid certain people. You remember that? And you would, you would uh, and especially in the common area where, where, you know, where you had to go uh, through to get to classes and to get to different areas of the building, like I remember there would be moments where people would just, you could see it. You could see people avoiding one another because uh, they, they used to be friends and something happened and she said something about her hair or, or she started talking to the boy that, that she had a crush on. And you remember those days? Good times. Good times. No one really cares about conflict resolution in high school. In high school, in middle school, it's just like, man, you just do whatever you want to do. And eventually, sometimes what would happen is you would, you would get to the point where you would forget about it. And then all of a sudden, uh, something would happen where at recess you're playing together or, or at break, you just find yourself at the same spot or maybe you end up in the same class. And without even talking about the issues, you guys are okay. But how many know that that might be okay in high school, that might be okay in middle school, but in life when you actually have relationships, when there's real weight attached to the decisions you make and the people that you are with, you cannot just ignore issues. You, you actually have to put an emphasis on how do we resolve this conflict that we just had? How do we not ignore something? Because even if you ignore it, it does not mean it's not impacting you. And so a lot of times what happens is, is we play middle school, we play high school, where we think, no, we'll just, we'll just not talk about things until uh, either we forget about it or the other party forget about it, and, and we can just live life uh, like, like nothing ever happened until something happens again, and then the weight of what happened before and the unresolved conflict carries into this new moment. And now you're more upset, or you lash out. And, and, and there's, a, there's a blow up that could have possibly been avoided if at the first instance, you just, you just stopped acting like you were in middle school or stopped acting like you were in high school and you had a grown up conversation. Where, where you look to resolve conflict. Jesus introduces a four step method to conflict resolution. 
And, and at the heart of his story, uh, which I'm gonna come back to at the end, at the heart of his story is, is, is reconciliation. At the heart of his story is redemption, it's peace and it's resolution, right? He, 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 he's introducing something that is, that is not well known or well lived out in the culture and society that he is in. And so even for us, some of what he says is gonna, be, is gonna seem foreign and it's actually going to go against our grain. And, and the grain of society, and the grain of culture, what we are so used to. But what I love about Jesus is that he focuses on winning or gaining back your brother or your sister. We're gonna come back to that at the end. This is incredibly important. Jesus places a great deal of importance on conflict resolution. So he introduces a four-step process. Step one is the crucial conversation. This is you and me. And so this meeting, Jesus says, should be done in private. So if somebody does something against you, if your brother or sister sins against you, uh, then these two people, they should meet in private. They should discuss the matter. If, if, if one is offended, he should let the other person know. If they're both offended, they should let one another know, hey, here's what happened. Here's how it made me feel. Here's what I think you could have done better, or here's what I wish you had done. Uh, and it can be received in private one-on-one, -on -one, right? This is where you discuss the situation. You can agree on the problem. And a lot of times, this is the hard part, right? It's, it's, you, can main, you can gain so much progress in conflict resolution if you just can get two parties to agree on the problem. There, that's, that's such a huge step of progress in conflict resolution is coming to terms with the fact that there is problem. There is a problem. There's nothing worse than, than one, individu one individual recognizing that there's a problem, but the other party not accepting it. Like, there's nothing worse than that, than, than a person just pretending like everything is okay. And this is what happens sometimes when we enter into which, what I'm calling a middle school or a high school mentality. We're, we're just like, no, 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 nothing's wrong. Let's just go about our day. Let's just go about business. Let's just go about doing things the way we've been doing things. And let's just not talk about the issue. But nothing gets resolved that way. So we need to discuss the situation. We need to agree on the problem. And then we need to establish possible resolutions and outcomes. Hey, hey, what can we do so that this doesn't happen again? Or what can we do to make right with what happened? Who needs to apologize? Maybe, maybe both parties need to apologize. Maybe, maybe both parties need to say, hey, I could have handled that better. I, I, sh I, I know... I know what you did was wrong, but the way I came at you about it, I, there were some attitude issues that I was wrestling with. I could have said that a little bit, a little bit better. I could have added a little bit more grace to that. And so sometimes we need to recognize that it's not just one party at fault, that sometimes both parties might be at fault. And so we discuss the problem, we, we, we discuss the situation, we agree on the problem, and then we establish possible resolutions and outcomes. We need to ensure that there's repentance, right? He says, if your brother or sister repents, then you have gained them. And so we need to make sure that there is repentance and that there is forgiveness. That there is forgiveness. The, the idea is you, you cannot win back somebody just because they apologized. You really win them back when you have forgiven them. And so, and so I've seen this. I, I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in other people's lives where you have one party who is willing to apologize, who recognizes the mistake they have made and they ask for forgiveness and, and yet the other person just goes, yeah, yeah, it's fine, whatever. And yet they're still walking around carrying what this other person did in their heart, 
carrying what this other person did in their, in their soul. And, and so we need to make sure that there's repentance, but then there's also forgiveness. And then restitution, if required. There, there are some relationships that you cannot bring back to a complete rest, restoration state. And, and a lot of times those, um, those will happen when, when there are serious boundaries that are crossed. Right? So you can have, you can have relationships where, where there, is, there is abuse or, or there, is, there is a pattern of consistently uh, um, uh, committing adultery outside of your marital covenant. And so, and so there's moments where it's like, okay, no, 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 now, now you've crossed boundaries. And so, yes, there's going to be repentance. Yes, there's going to be forgiveness. But there might not be restitution. There, we, we might not go back to where we were previously. And those are, those are the exceptions, and, and I just want to make, make sure I mention that because some of you have gone through some serious moments and have had traumatic experiences in different relationships, and so you could look at this and you could be like, whoa, 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 does that mean I'm supposed to go back to the person who sexually, sexually harassed me or, or, or whatever, and I'm supposed to make everything? No, 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 that's not what Jesus is saying. So there are moments in, where we need to use our discernment, where we need, we were, where we need to use, use wisdom, and we need to understand that there, there are moments where there, there's repentance and forgiveness, but, but there might not be restitution. Step two, involve others. This is, this is you, me, and two or three others. Right? So Jesus says, if your brother or sister, if you've, if you've confronted them and you've said, hey, here's the issue, here's the problem, let's, let's, let's talk about it, let's discuss it, what can we do to get better in this, in this relationship, how can we get a healthier relationship, and they're just like, nah, man, I, I don't want nothing to do with this, I don't think I was wrong, I, I think you're just making things up in your head, I think, I, I think this is all you. Jesus says, if that's the case, then you need to get two or three members of that community, of the body, and you need to go approach this individual. Now, now these two, two or three people should be people who, who are mature, who have, who have uh, discernment, who have wisdom, who have life experience. And so they should be brought into the situation so that they can watch this, not give a subjective view of what is happening, but an objective view. So, so they're not here to choose sides. Uh, they're here uh, so, so that, so that we, can, we can widen our perspective and maybe we can see the situation from angles that we aren't looking from and maybe we can see where, where one party is wrong or where the other one is right. This probably happens in your family already. You probably have members in your family who, who as, as, as conflict arises within your family, you call these members and you're like, man, can you, can you talk to so-and-so? Okay, we need you to come over. We need to have a conversation. And this probably already happens in your family with people who, who are mature. And so what happens is you get some sort of mediator or negotiator that, that kind of can stand in between the two parties at a fence and can see things from an objective Objective mindset. Now, with this step and, and the following step, which is that the church family, step three, church, the church family, this is you, me, and the family. So as the final hope, Jesus says, listen, if they don't listen in a private meeting with you and them, and they don't listen when two or three other people are there, then now this needs to be brought before the church. This needs to be brought before the community. And this is the final, final hope. Here's the idea. The idea is that, 
is that leadership from the church, leadership from the community, and mature members from the community uh, are, are, are brought into the situation, and they can assess and judge this situation biblically. Now, I want to be clear. This is, this is not so people can, can start gossiping. This is, this is not to publicly shame someone. This is not, look how bad this person is. No, no, no. This is, hey, this is a brother and sister in the faith, and they are, are, are either deceived or, or blind to the hardness of their own heart, and we as a community need to surround these individuals or this individual, and we need to win them back. Okay, that's the heart behind it. And I know as, as we read this and as we look to this, some of you are scratching your head like, man, this doesn't really apply anymore, does it? Because our, our, our North American super individual focused mentality is looking at this and saying, whoa, 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 hold on. Why does anything between me and you need to be discussed outside of me and you? Why do we need to get other people involved? But, but watch this, right? Because our culture is a culture of hiding. Our culture is a culture of, hey, let's just, let's just, let's just tuck that under the rub, rug. Let's, let's, not, let's not bring it out into the light. But I want you to capture this. The way the enemy works, okay? The way the enemy works is by constantly convincing you that things can get shoved under the rug, that things can still continue uh, in your life in darkness, and somehow you can still live the abundant life. And that's a lie from the enemy. And so watch how brilliant Jesus is, because Jesus is about restitution. Jesus is about redeeming this individual. Jesus is about getting this individual outside of the snare of the enemy that he, he or she finds them, themselves in. And so Jesus says the best way to do this is bring what is happening into the light. Expose the works of the enemy. Expose the works of the flesh so that you can gain and win back your brother or sister. This still applies today. And, and this shows how serious Jesus takes conflict resolution. Now, let me, let, me, let, me, let me be clear to say that Jesus is talking about conflict resolution in the body. He's talking about, right, he says, your brother. This is, this is not just somebody from the world. This is not a, a, a someone who is not a follower of Jesus. No, this is an individual who is a part of your community, who is a fellow brother or sister in the faith. They are followers of Jesus just as you are a follower of Jesus. And he's saying this is how you need to deal with conflict when it comes to the body. And I feel because of our North American understanding and because of the way we're wired, because of society and culture, and sometimes even because of our upbringing, We don't want to do it this way. Uh, we, we, live, we live more at peace with the world than we do with the body of Christ. And yet Jesus is saying that's, that's not how it should be. You, you should not be living more at peace with the world than you are with the body of Christ. And so that's why he, he introduces this, and it, and it seems tough, and it seems like, wow, this, this, is really, this is really hard. This is really going against the grain of how I would do things, but this is the culture of the kingdom. The culture of the kingdom exposes things that we would rather hide and keep in darkness. And so what would happen with this person, Jesus says, if they are still unrepentant, they, they are still unwilling to, to, to come to terms with the fact that something's wrong, then Jesus says the next step is to actually remu remove this individual from the community. Say, what? Yeah, 
remove this individual from the community. Why? Because I don't want their toxicity affecting everyone else. See, here's what we don't understand. Uh, attitudes can be like infections. And infections are contagious. And so a lot of times what we don't realize is, is when you have a divisive uh, a person or a toxic person who just wants to do things the way they want to do things, that is an infection that can spread amongst the body. And so Jesus says, before it spreads, I need you to remove this infection outside of the body. Until they come to a place where they repent, until they come to a place where they get it right, then we can welcome them back into the community. But he says a regular part of the body of Christ and the, bar, uh, and, and the community of Christ is to, is to remove toxic people. And that doesn't sit right with you, does it? It doesn't. But you, this, this ought to show us how important Jesus sees the life of the body how important it is that, that, that the community of Christ, that, as, that we as followers of Jesus are, are, are thriving and not just existing, that we have healthy relationships with one another that are causing one another to grow, that are causing one another to be in a healthy state of mind, that we don't have to constantly worry about what, what is that person's attitude and what is that person's mindset and what are, what are they thinking and what are they, we don't have to worry about any of that because all of that is from the enemy. All of it is from the enemy. And so that's kind of the steps that Jesus talks about regarding conflict resolution. For the next maybe 10 minutes, I want to I talk about the spirit of what Jesus is talking about. The spirit of what Jesus is saying. This is a very interesting text, and we can talk about, we can talk about the steps. We can talk about, hey, meet with this person one-on-one, -on -one, maybe involve some other people from the community, take it to the church, see if they're repentant. Hopefully they're repentant, all sorts of things, and all, sorts of, and all, and all that happens. But here's the thing. If we don't miss the spirit of this, or if we miss the spirit of this, we will abuse this text. Either we will abuse it or we, we will ignore it if we don't understand the spirit of what Jesus is saying. See, because at the start of this, remember I mentioned, he says, he says if you do this, if, you're, if, you're, if the other individual repents, he says, then you have gained your brother. You have gained your sister. So look at the heart of what Jesus is talking about. The, at the heart of this text, at the heart of what Jesus is talking about is gaining back your brother, gaining back your sister. The other individual is so much more important than what you're offended about. I need you to catch that. The emphasis of Jesus is not that you're offended. The emphasis of Jesus is that if you're offended, you've lost your brother or sister. And you need to win them back. You need to gain them back. And so you confront them. You have grace and love and conversation. And you say, here's the issue. Here's what we need to, need to resolve. Because as the body of Christ, we need to be functioning healthy. And we need to be people who are whole. And so there's a scripture out of John chapter 13. Verses 34 to 35, I want to read this for you. You'll see it on the screen. It says this, a new commandment I give to you. A new commandment, Jesus says, I give to you, that you love one another. We're talking about the spirit of what Jesus is saying. That you love one another. Okay. That doesn't seem like a new commandment, but all right, Jesus. 
we'll, we'll love one another. How hard is it to love one another? All you got to do is smile, say hi, shake their hands. I get good morning, brother. Good morning, sister. Message so-and-so on individual, on, on Instagram, on Facebook. Like their comment. Do also. How hard is it to love one another? And then Jesus says, love them like I have loved you. What do you mean? Yeah. Love them like I have loved you. Love them with my love. And then in verse 35, he says, by this, all will know that you are Pentecostals. All will know that you belong to the assemblies of God. All will know, he says, all will know that you are my disciples. Could it be that there are things that we are emphasizing about our Christianity that Jesus never even asked us to emphasize? Accolades that we want to show off? Cultures that we want to brag about? And yet Jesus never makes that an emphatic point of following him. Love one another so that they would know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's easy to call someone out on their offense. But the question is, do you love the other individual? Are you interested in winning back or gaining back your brother or your sister? Pastor Tony always says that anytime we do a, anytime we do a sermon series, I jokingly say, hey, Pastor, this is about discipleship. This is about discipleship. Hey, 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 and I want to say it here on the last Sunday of this series, conflict resolution and relational intelligence is about discipleship. It is. And here's, here's what I want to say. There's no anointing for discipline. There's no anointing for, uh, that, that makes you a better follower of Jesus. You, you cannot pray yourself into that. You, you cannot receive an anointing to be a better follower of Jesus. Why? Because following Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus, has to do with a decision. You have to make a decision, and there's no anointing for that. There, there's no, there's no uh, congregation that you can join. There, there's no worship gathering you can attend. There's no uh, uh, um, denomination that you prefer that you, that you can go alongside with. There, none of that. There's no anointing to make you a follower, better follower of Jesus. And here's the truth. I'm like constantly removing this, but it's because I move so much. As followers of Jesus, as his disciples, right, if we want to see, or if we want the world to see the, the redemptive, all-satisfying, all-fulfilling person that Jesus is, then we have to make another decision. Not just the decision to follow him, but the decision to love one another. We need to make that Decision. Out of all the things that we believe, out of all the things that we do, uh, that, that we surround Christianity around, or, or better yet, uh, all the things that you do and the, the things that you believe to prove your, to yourself that your Christianity is legitimate. Oftentimes, that list is void of this commandment. And yet, Jesus gives this commandment and he says, by this the world will know that you, 
that you love me. I know some of you, you've grown up in churches where if you don't know hymns, you're not saved. Right? Like, like you're saved, but you're not saved, saved. You show up wearing a certain outfit. Mm, come on now. <laughs> but Shannon and I were just having a conversation even before the service talking about, talking about preachers who just show up in sandals. And so we, we've, made, we've made so much of the things that, that Jesus never emphasizes, right? And so conflict resolution. And, and Jesus' mandate here, show us that out of all those things, that redemption and restoration actually mark our faith. Redemption and restoration mark our faith. Not, not, not canceled culture, not, not deconstruction, not ethnic superiority or ethnic inferiority. None of those things mark our faith. Redemption and restoration mark our faith. Everything else causes divide. And that's why Jesus never emphasizes anything else. He emphasizes love one another. You're in union with one another. Here's the truth. And you can get ready for this. If, if you're in, let me say it this way. You're not in union with the people who are of the same background as you. You're not in union with the people who grew up in the same neighborhood as you. People who like the same sports teams as you like. You're not in union with the people who have the same skin color as you. That's not who you're in union with. Your union is in Christ and it's with men and women who have been redeemed and bought and purchased by the blood of Jesus just as you have. That's who your union is with. And the moment we step out of that, we've stepped out of the favor of God. We've stepped out of the design of God and we've left the spirit of Christ and we've put on the spirit of the world. That's, that's who our union is with. By this, men will know that you're my disciples. When you, when you stop relating to one another and finding identity in superficial things and understand that there is a spirit within us that is uniting us. I want you to catch this. There's no other group in the world in whom the Holy Spirit dwells. No other group in the world in whom the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ dwells. There's no other group group. I, I need you to catch this. This, is, this, is, this, blows, this blew my mind this week as I was thinking about this and reflecting on this. So, so as we have the Holy Spirit within us, we have the, the eternal Spirit of God residing on the inside of us where no men, no women can actually see. And he's working on the inside of us and he's persuading us towards one goal. And he doesn't care what you look like. He doesn't care what your background is. He doesn't care about your prefer preferences and, and the way you see things. He's fixed on working towards one goal as we, the people of God, live and function on this world. There's no other group outside of the body of Christ who you share this eternal bond with. Eternal. No other. And so we have our culture to fight against. 
we have our traditions to fight against. We have the way we've always done things to fight against. And we need to understand that what is happening in the world right now is, is not a culture of the kingdom. The con- culture of the kingdom is focused on restoration and is focused on transformation. So he says, love one another like I love you. Have you asked the question, how does Jesus love me? How does Jesus love you? I'll tell you, he loves you perfectly. Jesus loves you perfectly. And so we're to love one another the way he loves us. We're to love one another perfectly. You're like, how do I love one another? How do I love other people perfectly? That sounds like an impossible task. It is. And it's a task, guess what, that you need to invite Jesus more into your life to accomplish. Ah, invite Jesus, yeah. Invite Jesus. More of him in your life, more of him in the way you handle relationships. Isn't that interesting? That as Christians, we gotta invite Jesus into our life? And yet we need to do that. And so we need to love one another the way Jesus loves us. In other words, our love needs to be persuaded by his love. Our love needs to be persuaded by his love. And if we're all honest, if I'm honest, a lot of times the way I handle relationships is not according to the Spirit of God, but is according to my own scoreboard. I've got a tally, right? What, what did so-and-so say to me? How did so-and-so say something? That, that person didn't greet me. And, and if we're not careful, we will handle relationships based on our own scoreboard and not the Spirit of God, not the Spirit of Christ and so we, we get into this culture of, hey, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. If you do something good for me, I'll do something good for you. But if you do something bad, well, watch out. Watch out. Because I'm not as forgiven as Jesus. And so we'll put up a stink. We'll have an attitude. We'll do things with the wrong intentions and the wrong hearts. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 Verse 10, I'm making good progress today. I know, last week I was like, it was 12.30 and I was closing. But we're gonna be good today. This is my second last scripture, all right? Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter one, verse 10. I want you to catch this. It says, now I plead with you, brethren, sistren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. That you all speak the same the same thing. Not attend the same church. Not sing the same way. Not have the same friends. No, no. Speak the same thing. There's something about kingdom language that is different than the language of the culture. And I don't mean in terms of words you say. I mean the spirit behind it. Speak the same thing and that there would be no divisions among you. So, so, the the answer to dis- div- divisiveness in, in the body, in, in relationships, is that we're not speaking the same language. We're not being persuaded by the same spirit. We're not after the same goal. And when that gets all mixed up, we have division. 
So speak the same thing, that there would be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined. How does Jesus love us? He loves us perfectly. How are we to operate? We're to operate in a way that we are perfectly joined together. Watch this, in the same mind and in the same judgment. In the same mind and in the same judgment. I heard one person say this regarding the body of Christ and regarding the importance of, of being perfectly joined and serving one another. He says, you notice that a tree never eats its own fruit. You notice that a tree never eats its own fruit. And the individual was trying to highlight that, that we exist to serve, okay? You and I exist to serve. Jesus said it this way, that true greatness is serving. That the greatest among all of his followers are going to be those who serve, who, who look towards other people, who recognize, can I say it this way? So there's so many of you, uh, even within the room with a couple of people that are here, we, we have gifts, we have talents, God has blessed us, God has wired us certain ways, and, and a lot of times what happens is you think that whatever God has put inside of you is for you, but it's not. It's not. Your, your gift, okay, I, let me say it this way. You will never glorify God with your gift until you recognize that it's for the edification of the body. You will glorify your ego, you will glorify your flesh, but you will never glorify God with your gift until you recognize that it's not for me, it's for the building up of the church. My preaching will never glorify God until I recognize that it's for your edification. And this is something God had to deal with me about because I was so concerned on my delivery. I was so concerned on the way I said, especially being a new preacher. And so uh, three years ago, as I'm starting this ministry, uh, as I'm starting new in ministry, uh, there are things that I'm wrestling with, uh, ways that I want to feed my ego, ways that I want to glorify my flesh. And God's like, no, 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 you're never going to glorify. You can use your gift without me, but you're not going to glorify me with your gift if you don't recognize it's not for you. It's for the building up and the edification of my body. You're like, man, I don't feed my ego, really. Then how come you are the primary person you are thinking of before, during, and after you use your gift? And that's a reality we all need to come to grips with. And so Jesus says, greatness is, is serving. In other words, don't feed, your, don't feed your ego, feed the body. That's the whole point of forgiveness, rest, restoration. That's the whole point of conflict resolution. It's not to feed your ego. Oh, look at me, I'm so confrontational how I approach that individual, wow. No, 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 it's so you gain back the individual. It's for the other person. And so he says, perfectly joined. Can I say this? The spirit of Jesus does not mean you tolerate people. Because it is, it is far too easy to tolerate people and yet on the inside be boiling. Be thinking all sorts of things. But on the outside, just present yourself. Smile, nod, don't say too much. 
I know you've, I know you've had to do some self-talk when you're around certain people. Bro, don't say too much. Just smile. Just nod. And yet that's not the spirit of Christ. The spirit of Christ is not toleration. Watch this. Pretend peace is from the enemy. I need you to catch this. Because right now we live in a world where if we just pretend we're at peace, whoo, we're good. But not only is pretend peace not from God, pretend peace is from the enemy. Why? Because it convinces you that God likes to play pretend. And God doesn't like to play pretend. He doesn't do that. That's why he exposes things. Right? God never played pretend when he sent his son. God never played pretend when he died on the cross. God never played pretend when he rose from the grave. God never played pretend when he said, turn the other cheek. God never played pretend when he said, pray for your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. God never played pretend. God doesn't like playing pretend. You know who likes playing pretend? The enemy. That's why the Bible says he will come dressed as an angel of the light. Because the devil likes to play pretend. And if we're not careful, we will carry the spirit of the enemy. That's why Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. He, he didn't call Peter the entity, Satan, the devil. The word Satan means adversary. It means enemy. It means you're in front of the goal I want to accomplish. And so the goal that Jesus wants to accomplish is restoration. It's winning back my brother. It's winning back my sister. Loving one another the way he loves us so that the world would know I'm his disciple. And when I play pretend... Like everything's okay when it's really not. I too have become like Peter. Shannon, you can come up. It's 1213. I'm doing good. Look at that. I want us to sing, um, I think we didn't even get to it in the set. Um, let everything fade away. Yeah, let everything fade away. The Father's heart, and this is my hope as we conclude this, this, this series, is that we would understand the Father's heart. That, that we wouldn't just understand how to manage relationships better, but that we would have the heart of the Father. Hebrews 12, 14 says, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Look at the emphasis Jesus places on pursuing peace, without which no one will see the Lord. God doesn't even approve your worship if your attitude is wrong. And so the point of this, how do, we, how do we solve that, Pastor Mo? How do we get better at relationships? How do we get better at conflict resolution? We need to emphasize who Jesus is above our personal feelings, above our attitudes, and above the way we want to do things. It's him at the forefront. And that's the Father's heart. I remember I had this conflict years ago, years ago. And I was so upset at this individual because they did me wrong. And I was mad, like I mean mad. And I wanted to get back at this individual. This individual didn't even say sorry, they didn't even apologize, nothing. 
And I remember one time I was driving in my car and you have those moments where you're just thinking about conflict, you're thinking about conversations you gotta have with people, but you're not actually gonna have those conversations. And all of a sudden, God dropped in my heart that the individual I was so mad at, and God said this, that's my son. See, when we're mad, when, we're, when we caught an offense, we only think about us being the son and the daughter of God in that situation. God's on my side. I've got the favor of God. I'm the son of God. I'm a daughter of God. God's going to make me win this conflict. No, no, no. But the other individual is also a child of God. And when we don't understand that, here's what happens. We break the Father's heart just to feed our ego. And, and some of us need to repent to those people, if possible, but definitely to God. And so we magnify Christ and let all the other things fade away. And so God, I thank you. And even as Shannon sings in just a moment, Father, I just pray that your spirit would emulate, that your spirit would just go and touch every heart, heal every brokenness, heal every, every place that has been hurt by relationships, and, and heal every, every person who has been um, on the receiving end of, of poor relationship management. And I pray for those who, who need to repent, who have let their own ego and their own preferences come before your spirit. And I just pray that all these things would fade away, that you would become our focus, that we would be persuaded by your love and your spirit. In Jesus' name.